Well, I trust you have your Bibles in your hands once again this morning as we turn in God's Word to the first place, to Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to read that chapter in connection with Psalm 125 in our ongoing series of the Songs of Ascents, Hebrews chapter 12. This morning we consider Mount Zion and the eternal security of those who belong to her. And we find that in Hebrews chapter 12, especially in verses 18 and following, but we'll read the whole chapter together. This is God's holy word. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives." It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping heads and strengthen your weak knees, and make straight the paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone, and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For he know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent although he sought it with tears. For you have come to what may for you have not come to what may not be for you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and a darkness and gloom and a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain it shall be stoned. Indeed so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. 
For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Let's turn also to Psalm 125. Psalm 125, you recall from last week that had it not been the Lord who was on our side, then our enemies would have swallowed us up alive. But God has protected us, and He continues to protect His people to this very day. That's what we find here in Psalm 125, a song of ascents. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good, and to those who are upright in their hearts. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. So far, the reading of God's word, the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of our Lord remains and endures forever. Dear brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, our sojourner has certainly had his ups and downs, hasn't he? And I mean that both figuratively and literally. He has known life at the bottom of the hill where his distress compelled him to, to cry out to God, Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. The psalmist has known life at the bottom of the hill where God's people are for peace, but the world around them is for war. The psalmist has known what it is to be tempted to, to look to the creation for help rather than to the Creator because that's what everybody around him is doing. We all know how real peer pressure is, don't we? We all know how hard it is to, to walk in one direction when everyone else around us is walking in the exact opposite direction. But by God's grace, we've been walking in the right direction. We've been walking towards the new Jerusalem, towards the Lord's dwelling. And by God's grace, we've learned to look to the Lord. We've learned to, to lift our eyes to God's throne, to see God there sovereignly ruling over all things. We've learned to lift our eyes to God's hand as the eyes of servants and maidservants look to the hand of their masters. We've learned, haven't we, to, to lift our eyes to God's heart, to see that He is a God of mercy, and so we can plea for mercy with the assurance that He will answer us in mercy. By God's grace, we've learned to look up. But sometimes it seems like that just isn't enough, doesn't it? For the Psalms has also known the threat and the terrors of war. He is described as being nearly swallowed up alive. He's described as being almost swept away in a flood as raging waters overwhelming him. 
He's described as being like a bird trapped in the snare. No chance of escape. But as we heard and as we sang last week, in the midst of the fight of our lives, what did God do? God lifted us up and he set us high upon a rock. And God fought for us. We consider that rock this morning, Mount Zion. According to the psalmist, it is a rock that can never be moved. It is a rock that will abide forever. It is a rock unto which you and I as saints in Christ are likened unto this morning. And that to give us great comfort this morning, that in an ever-changing world where things are so easily shaken, God's people stand secure. They shall never be moved. They shall not be removed. They're here to stay. Everything else is going to be shaken. Those who are evil will be led away, but God's people are here to stay. They shall stand secure forever. The world can't get rid of them, although it's tried time and again. Satan can't get rid of them, although he has tried time and again throughout the history of the world. Not even our own sins, as terrible and as terrifying as they may be, can change the fact that As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people from this time forth and forevermore. For as the author of Hebrews has said, we have come to a greater mountain. We have come to a greater mountain that is better than that one that could not be touched, as we heard in the reading of God's law this morning. That mountain was a mountain that was so terrifying that the people of Israel begged Moses that they should never hear the voice speak from that mountain again. Indeed, so terrifying was a sight that even Moses said, I tremble with fear. But we have come to Mount Zion. We've come to Mount Zion into the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. We've come to Mount Zion into the innumerable angels in festal gathering, to the assembly of the firstborn who are enthroned in heaven. We've come to Mount Zion to God who is the judge of all and to the spirits of The righteous made perfect. We've come to Jesus, the mediator of a new and better covenant, whose blood speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. I realize, people of God, that's quite a mouthful, but it speaks to a most profound reality. It speaks to a reality that is particularly true in experience when God's people are able to, to assemble together in the Lord's day, but also speaks to a reality that is true of us every day. And the profound reality is this. You and I are living in the day of fulfillment. You and I are living in the day of fulfillment of this psalm, Psalm 125. For although this song was originally written to be sung by the people of Israel, in virtue of the coming of Christ, this song is a song that we can sing more loudly than ever before. By the Spirit of Christ, the psalmist takes us back up to the top of the hill. And it's good to be at the top of the hill, isn't it? Because, as you may recall, it was at the top of the hill that the psalmist knew most tangibly the promise of the Lord's presence. It was there at the top of the hill that he could smell redemption in the air as the priestly sacrifices went up to God. It was there that he rejoiced with the saints. My heart was glad when they said to us, let us go there and stand within Jerusalem's gate. In an ever-changing world where things are so easily shaken, God's people stand secure. That's 
that we discover here in this song for the immovable. In shaky times such as these, we're not sure what's going on or, or what's going to happen next. The heads of God's people can hit the pillow at night with a sense of stability, with a sense of security, knowing that everything is going to be all right. For we shall not be moved. God's people stand secure because the Lord surrounds his people as the mountains surround Jerusalem. God's people stand secure because the Lord safeguards his people from the scepter of wickedness. God's people stand secure because the Lord sustains his people. He sustains them with the promise of his peace. He will do good to those who are good and to those who are upright in heart. Peace will indeed rest upon Israel. Listen again to how this song begins. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. The psalmist uses the geography around Jerusalem to to illustrate the security of the saints. The psalmist paints a picture of the stability, of immovability. Year after year, you see, as the people of Israel would would sojourn to the Lord's dwelling, as they would see the hill of the Lord, Mount Zion from a distance, they wouldn't help but be able to notice how God had, had designed Mount Zion in such a way that he had designed Jerusalem in such a way that the hills surrounding Jerusalem provided immense protection for Israel from all their spiritual enemies. And so as the people of Israel journeyed onward toward the, dwell, the dwelling of the Lord, the faithful could not help but, but meditate on how the secure topography and geography of the city of God was a picture of their own security as the covenant people of the Lord. They couldn't help but be reminded that all throughout the Old Testament, the Lord was described as living on this mountain. That God had said, Zion founded on the mountains. God, thy maker, loves thee well. He has chosen thee most precious. He delights in thee to dwell. God's own city, who can all thy glory tell? God Almighty shall on Zion strength bestow. And that's the comfort of the psalmist here in Psalm 125. Those who trust in the Lord are perfectly secure because the Lord is not far from them, but He is always with them at all times in every way. No matter how shaky things get or how unstable things may appear to be. Boys and girls, I want you to picture that in your minds this morning. You remember from last week that the psalmist said that we were just like that bird trapped in the snare of the fowler. No chance of escape without God. But this morning, God's word speaks to us again and says, If you trust in the Lord with all your heart, then you are as secure and as immovable as a mountain. And such are all God's people. Such are we this morning. As God's people, we cannot be moved. We cannot be easily pushed around. But we're well-grounded. And so I tell you this morning, people of God, that we have a security and a stability that the people of the world have never known and never will. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. 
King David also put it this way in Psalm 32, verse 7. The Lord has been our hiding place. He preserves us from trouble. He surrounds us with songs of deliverance. Or he said it this way in Psalm 34. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he rescues them. Or he put it this way in Psalm 139. The Lord has hemmed us in behind and before he lays his hand upon us. Such knowledge is too wonderful, wonderful for us that David is high. We cannot attain it. Pictures of the Lord surrounding his people are abundant. It's a picture that connotes both God's tenderness on the one hand, but also his militant protection on the other. On the one hand, the picture of God surrounding us can make us think of, of a father or a mother enveloping his or her children in their arms. That tenderness, that love. But at the same time, it can connote a picture of God surrounding us with His armies to keep us safe from all our enemies. But the point is the same. God's people are safe and secure. God's people cannot be shaken. They cannot be moved. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people. The psalmist isn't making this up. But he's speaking to reality that's been known and and tangibly experienced by God's people throughout the ages. The psalmist speaks to us about a reality that is every bit as much real for us today as it was for the prophet Elisha in the days when King Ben-Hadad was attacking the people of Israel. Boys and girls, remember what God did in the days of Elisha when the king of Syria was waging war against the people of Israel? We read of it in 2 Kings chapter 6. You might want to turn there. Time and again, the Syrian king's attacks were undermined because God was revealing to Elisha what his plans were so that he could forewarn the king of Israel. And so all the Syrian king's plots were coming to nothing. But when the king of Syria heard that it was the prophet Elisha who was behind all his plans being undermined, he sent for him to be captured. And upon discovering that the prophet was in the city of Dothan, the king of Syria sent horses and chariots and a great army to, to surround the city in the middle of the night. And when Elisha's servant went out in the morning and saw that the king's army had surrounded the city with horses and chariots, he ran to Elisha saying, Alas, my master, what are we to do? But then how did Elisha respond? Verse 16 of 2 Kings chapter 6, he said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open the eyes of my servant that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down against them, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Please strike this people with blindness. So God struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. The Lord had surrounded his prophet, and he had heard his prayer. And that's the way it is for us all the time. Of course, I understand that we may not always see horses and chariots of fire. But nevertheless, the Lord surrounds you today as surely as he surrounded the prophet 
Elisha so long ago, because the Lord still loves his people. It's interesting that when you read that chapter, 1 Kings chapter 6, when you read of the king of Syria and, and the prophet Elisha warning Jehoram, king of Israel, it's interesting when you read that chapter that, that no mention is ever made of, of King Jehoram requesting that protection. But in his grace, God took the initiative. In his grace, God graciously intervened. Before they had even called, God had already answered. And that's the same way it is for us today as well. God knows what we need and promises provide for that need, even before we know that need ourselves. And the Lord defends his people. He wards off all our enemies and keeps us safe. Nothing touches our life without his sovereign permission, says one pastor. No sorrow, no sickness, no temptation. Nothing penetrates the divine fortress unless God so wills it. Even when he wills it, he never wills it without its being for your good. And so God says to you this morning, not I, but God himself says, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. Do you believe that this morning, people of God, that you are immovable as a mountain? You believe the Lord surrounds you even as the mountains surround Jerusalem from this time forth and forevermore. I tell you this morning, congregation, it doesn't get more secure than this. It doesn't get more secure than this. God speaks to us in this way because He doesn't want us looking out there for protection. He doesn't want us looking out there for security. So He overwhelms us with this simile that can't even fully capture the reality of our security with God, that we are as secure as Mount Zion. For the Lord not only surrounds us, but He also safeguards us. Notice that, secondly, this morning. The Lord safeguards us. He, he prevents us from stumbling off the narrow way and from foolishly falling in the way of the wicked. That's His promise to you and me in verse 3. For the scepter of wickedness, the scepter being a symbol of great power, of great authority, the scepter of wickedness shall not rest in the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. God's promise here, people of God, is, is not that we're never going to face opposition. We face opposition all the time. God's promise here is not that that God's people will never be called for a time to, to live under the authority of, and rule of those who don't love the Lord. Because throughout the history of the world, God's people have known exactly what that's like. We live in a broken, a fallen world where, where evil so often seems to have the upper hand. But what God promises to us here in verse 3 is that the wicked will not prevail. Yes, evil may have its day. God will have the final say. We, of course, can imagine how hard it must have been at times for the people of Israel to believe this promise. Because we all know how there is no shortage of examples in the Old Testament and, and in the New where this hardly seemed to be the case. There's no, 
shortage of examples in the Old Testament where God's people must have wondered in their hearts, will God really lift the scepter of wickedness? Will he really give us a true king, a righteous king after his own heart? Will God really give us a Deuteronomy 17 kind of king, a king that that doesn't acquire horses and chariots like the world, a king that, that writes out God's law and lives by God's law all the days of his life? Will God really give us that kind of king? psalmist very well may have been writing this song at a time when the comfort of verses 1 and 2 must have seemed almost unattainable for some. For it seems that most of the time throughout the Old Testament into the New, Israel either has a wicked king of her own ruling over her or a wicked king from the outside nations ruling over her. So I'd imagine the question was often raised in their hearts, how can God's people have security? How can, how can God's people have stability? when they find themselves living under authorities like that? How can gospel have stability when they find themselves living under authorities who who don't trust nor with all their heart, but rather who who constantly lean on their own understanding? We find the answer right here in verse 3 of our text, only by remembering the promise. Only by remembering the promise that a day was coming when the Lord would would send His Christ into the world to be that greater King of all kings and Lord over all lords. And this was the promise that the faithful remnant living in Israel must have had written on their hearts. This is the promise they must have had written on their hearts, even in spite of the fact that, that they too often knew what it was like to feel as though the the promises of God were, were lagging behind the hard realities of life. And yet those who trust in the Lord knew that in the midst of those temporary sat, setbacks, they, they knew that in the midst of what seemed to be great roadblocks on the way to thy kingdom come, in the midst of all these things, they could take the promise to heart. The scepter of wickedness shall not rest over us forever. God would surely safeguard his people from stretching out their hands to do wrong. God would prevent his people from becoming so discouraged that they turn away from the Lord and forget his promises. For it was true then as it was in the days of the Apostle Paul when he wrote to the Corinthians, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And knowing that, knowing that promise, and knowing that God's true King, the Lord Jesus Christ, is surely coming again means that we don't have to play the world's games. We don't have to live as the world lives. We don't have to use the same devices to get ahead or or to accomplish the things we so desperately want to accomplish. We already know in part what the prophet Isaiah foretold so long ago, that the Lord has broken the staff of the wicked, the scepter of those rulers that struck the peoples in wrath with unceasing blows, that ruled the nations in anger with unrelenting persecution. The Lord has already broken the scepter of the wicked. Boys and girls, who again shall have dominion? Who shall have dominion over land and sea, earth's remotest regions? Shall his empire be? 
We know the answer, the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ shall have dominion. Not only over us, but over all the world. Christ shall have dominion over land and sea, earth's remotest regions. His empire shall be. The wicked will not prevail. And for the sake of God's elect, their time will be short. And this promise that the Lord will safeguard his people from the scepter of wickedness compels the psalmist to pray. The psalmist prays, do good, O Lord, to those who are good. And to those who are upright in their hearts. But those turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers' peace. Be upon Israel. As all of God's promises ought to do in our lives, the promise that the scepter of wickedness would not last forever spurs the psalmist to pray to the God who hears. This promise spurs the psalmist that compels him to, to pray to the God who sees. For our God has seen how the world has been operating. Our God knows those who have, who have turned aside to their crooked ways. And for the sake of the righteous, God will not allow those evils to go unanswered. In other words, brothers and sisters, nobody is getting away with anything. In this life, we sometimes wonder if that's really true, because it seems so often that, boy, a lot of people get away with a lot of things. But God assures us in His Word that nobody is getting away with anything. We need to believe that this morning, that in a world that has so turned aside, that a world that has so turned aside away from the Lord, in a world that, that rises up against the people of the Lord to persecute the church of God in this world, nobody is getting away with anything. For the Lord will not only scatter our spiritual enemies, but He will sustain His people. He will do good to those who are good and to those who are upright in heart. He will sustain them in their every need, in their every adversity, trial, and temptation. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. At the end of the day, you see there are really only two kinds of people, aren't there? And these two verses remind again of the antithesis that that wedge that separates the people of God from the people of the world. There are two kinds of people. There are those people who shall not be moved, who shall remain forever and inherit the kingdom of heaven. And there are those who shall be moved, who shall be removed and and led away into the just judgment of God. And then and only then shall God's people finally know God's peace fully and forevermore. And so these words serve as a warning for us this morning. That if we have not placed our trust in Lord Jesus Christ, that solid rock, then we will not stand secure on the day of His coming. But if we have, if we have placed our trust in this one true King, whom God has said the scepter would would never depart, then we shall not be moved. And we shall know His peace. As I said before, we're living in the day of fulfillment. You and I are living in the day of this song's fulfillment, where it's already been fulfilled in the coming of Christ. We recognize that that peace has already been given to us. 
that the road to peace has been paved in the cross of Christ, and yet we recognize that there's surely still more to come, don't we? The psalmist prays that peace would be upon Israel, that peace would be in Jerusalem as he prayed a few songs ago. We know that this prayer also points us forward to that lasting peace, that permanent peace of the new Jerusalem. And so the author of Hebrews warns his readers, he warns us this morning, see that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. See that you do not follow in the way of Esau who, who forfeited his inheritance though he sought it with tears. See to it that you heed the voice of the Lord. That your hearts be gripped by the word of the Lord. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which shall never be moved. For the Lord surrounds them as the mountains surround Jerusalem. The Lord safeguards them from the scepter of wickedness. The Lord sustains them with the promise of his peace. Therefore, let us be grateful. Let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire, and we shall never be moved. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, once again we come before you. We come before you as those whose trust are in you, as those who are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. What comfort belongs to the church of Christ, O God, that you have said to us that as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so you surround your people from this time forth and forevermore. That you safeguard us in the scepter of wickedness, that you sustain us with the promise of your peace. Lord, write these words in our hearts. Grant us grace, O God, to live in light of the songs that we read and sing. To live as those who are secure, who aren't easily pushed around because our security is in the Lord of heaven. Father, we pray that you would deliver us from the wicked scepters of the world. We long for the coming of the King, the one true King to return upon the clouds, to grant unto us that eternal kingdom that cannot be shaken, that we might dwell there forever, where all the enemies of your kingdom have been cast aside. Grant us, Lord, the peace that the psalmist prayed would rest upon Israel. Grant that peace to rest upon us this morning. For Jesus' sake, amen. For a song of response, let's stand to sing 243.